Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Rusty Quill presents. Hey everyone, Alexi Talanda here, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Ostium Sagas. Did you know you can get access to a bunch more unreleased Ostium Sagas content? It's easy. Just become a supporting patron at the $5 level and above on the Ostium Network Patreon at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. On our Patreon, you'll get access to many new episodes of the Ostium Sagas you haven't heard before, as well as a bunch of other bonus content. Once again, that's patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. Now, I'd just like to thank some of our new patrons for supporting the Ostium Network. Thank you to Rob. Jedia Care, Bobby, Maggie, and Lelloberry for supporting us. We really appreciate it. Okay, let's get this Ostium Sagas episode started, shall we? The Ostium Sagas. Thirty-two. Saga two. Sixteen sixty-six. Recorder's Endnote. Part one. Right, so I have to force myself not to say wow this time, because it feels like that's what I keep saying each time I get through a new installment of the Ostium Sagas. But they are truly incredible stories, involving incredible people. And again, we all know how bad the people at the Ostium Network are, at least those in charge and with any power. The heads, as Robert calls them. But to see what lengths they had gone to, to ruin these people's lives, and it really isn't completely clear... What was the end goal here, or did they actually just have no clue what would happen? No, I don't think that's possible. Given how they know of two people in this Ostium saga who had been sent back and then were supposed to travel back to Ostium through the same door at the same time, without either of them knowing of the existence of the other person, let alone that they would inevitably be meeting up to return to Ostium, it's just cruel and insensitive. 
but I feel there's not much that can be accomplished by going over what wankers these Ostium network blokes are. It's just going to royally piss me off and not do much else. So let's move on to other matters. Oh, and I don't think it needs to be said, but in case anyone is wondering, there's no author's end note to go with the Ostium saga, because he wasn't able to read a word of it, being in an indecipherable language to him. Also, we already know the origins of this slim volume, so we pretty much know all we need to know about its existence already. No, the really juicy bits of this Ostium saga, to me, are the ones about how this is an alternate timeline and considerably different from the one I grew up in and called home for most of my life. I say most as my currently designated place of habitation is in a disconnected dimension that doesn't seem to exist anywhere, as far as I know, and insofar as Zhang has been able to tell me. When I read along and spoke aloud how the fire kept raging and getting worse and worse, running rampant and out of control, it was actually terrifying to me. As you may remember, I lived in England for some time, specifically Acton, which is to the west of London, and basically part of the giant sprawl that is Greater London, so it hit me hard learning of the immense destruction and desolation left by the fire. Funnily enough, it was both an outright fright and a relief because there was the dread of it all being gone and final, but then also realising in my reality that's not what happened. Learning this was some other timeline or reality, and my old London was still very much there, all safe and sound. So after I got over that heart-dropping moment followed by the realisation that everything was fine in my world, there was a new feeling that took me a while to recognise as excitement. Here I was getting general proof and confirmation from an alternate timeline with its own unique series of events. It's something I've dreamed of for a long time, since I was a child really, Imagining what these alternate worlds might be like, and the whole multiverse idea, just made my mind explode for the first time as a teenager. Isn't that what science fiction writers dream of? I know it's a big reason why I loved reading in the genre so much, and now here was incontrovertible proof, or at least for the likes of me at the Ostium Network. An average person might have a harder time wrapping their mind around all this, I say very facetiously. And to have this prime source material of this incredible story, I mean, it's priceless. The whole book is so important. I feel, well, I feel beyond special to have found it, and to be able to read and enjoy it, and to keep these people's stories alive. Stories of their actual lies and how they were lied to after they went through their respective Ostium doors. These former employees of the Ostium network, who got to experience something very few in the world ever will, but ultimately at a great cost. Perhaps the greatest. I couldn't help wondering what happened after to Dana and Robert. Did they really go to America? What were their lives like after? Did they have fun, enjoy the rest of their lives in the 17th century? I wish there was some way I could look them up and see if they were in any of the historical sources. Did they do or achieve anything to warrant a mention in the history books? But that's the problem with alternate timelines. They're very much not your timeline. Now, how about the little ostium? That was interesting, wasn't it? Didn't get any bigger or smaller, but why was it that size? Just big enough for Dana's journal to fit in. Did it make it to the Austin network as they'd hoped? I did ask Zhang this, and they searched their records from top to bottom but couldn't find anything referencing Dana's journal, or any record of what happened to them. It seems more likely it got sent back in time somehow, and then the Conclave ended up with it so I suppose it will just have to remain one of those mysteries that I really want to learn more about, but probably never will. 
But with the Austin Network, you know what they say. And yes, by them, I once again mean myself. They say, never say never, because you never know what you might find out or what may happen to you. There's always a chance, right? The Ostium Sagas thirty-three Saga two sixteen sixty-six Recorders Endnote Part two Okay, before we move on and get stuck into Ostium Saga number three, which I know you're all very anxious to do, and honestly I am too, but we have another important topic to talk about first, and that's the next instalment of our conversation with one Professor Harcourt. You know, the bloke I've been in touch with via Zhang's bit of nifty audio software known as Quantum Oral. Yeah, the guy I'm more than suspecting, but I'm now pretty sure is in fact a bona fide member of the Conclave. Oh, that Professor Harcourt. You mean Larry to his friends? Yes, now you're catching my drift. I know it's been a while, but there's a lot of new stuff to tell. Also, I don't know if he goes by Larry with his friends. He just seems too stuffy and curmudgeonly for it. If he even has friends, for that matter. Doesn't really seem that type either. But if he does, they'd probably call him the Professor, or Prof, or even Dr. Harcourt. Because, yes, he is in fact that formal. You know based on the many interactions I've had with him, and I now know him so well. And yes, I'm being sarcastic, in case you can't tell. And what you have, without right saying the name, and hinting at who I thought he might be, and he responds with not wanting to give too much away just yet, but leaving some clues making it clear he knew what I was talking about, and then playing his hand with a bold chess move, to mix metaphors for a second, because it was a bloody good and outright shocking reference I wasn't expecting from him. He made an allusion to the slim volume. Yes, 
That would be THE slim volume consisting of the second Ostium saga, which we just finished reading and listening to. In using those words, too, slim volume, it makes my thoughts go in multiple directions at once. Is he directly referencing the Ostium saga's book as I kind of was? And by mentioning the small book, he would know about through the introduction and words of the author of the Ostium sagas. Alternatively, it's possible he might have either come across or be in possession of the actual slim volume, which we now know to be Dana Lee's journal. Or I suppose it could be all of the above also, if Professor Harcourt is in fact a member of the Conclave. The Conclave should still, presumably, be in possession of both these volumes, no? Although there is the mystery of the copy I have and how it ended up being buried in that church. Oh, and sorry, going to go on a bit of a random tangent here, because when I mentioned Dana Lee's journal, it jogged my memory about something I wanted to talk about, but forgot to in the previous instalment. And that's how the little ostium did send Dana's journal somewhere, right? If it had just fallen to the ground or nothing had happened, then Dana probably would have done another entry about it. But that's beside the point, because it clearly didn't go through the door into the future and end up back in ostium for the ostium network to find. It was transported back into the past, into the 12th century as memory serves, and eventually discovered by the Conclave and kept safe and secure for centuries. Until it ends up in the Ostium Sagas, which ends up in my hands. What a truly insane series of events over an immense expanse of time. Also, how did this Ostium come into being? Was it really something instigated by the Ostium Network? Why would they want to send things back in time? Or was it perhaps originally intended to work just as Dana and Robert had hoped, to send them back to Ostium? Back when the events of history were irrevocably changed and all of London burned to the ground, did this mess with the... oh, I don't know, let's say the temporal source code of Ostium, and caused it to instead divert the Ostium from the town back to the 12th century in a complete random event? Has anything like this ever happened before? I don't know. We don't know of anything like it, and I've asked Shang and they say they have no record of any instance akin to this one. Could it even be something the evil Jake Fisher, head wanker at the very top of the Ostium network, knew would happen in some way, and was more than thrilled at the chance and possibilities that their lives would be sacrificed in the process? Who knows? Maybe one day we will, maybe no. Anyway, sorry for that long-winded tangent, but all those thoughts were bouncing around inside my head like a bunch of colourful fireworks on Guy Fawkes night. Remember, remember, the 5th of November and all that. So getting back to Professor Harcourt, I had a deep think about what our next move should be with him, and talked it over with Zhang, and the result was this quantum oral message I sent him. To lharcourt at marquette.edu From stevechase at hotmail.com Subject the slim volume laid open. Dear Mr. Harcourt, thank you for your recent message. It is clear we have a lot in common to talk about, and I know we're both essentially beating around the bush right now, or to pick an American expression I've heard mum use, we're stuck in a holding pattern. So I'm going to come out and make the first bold move and use yet another expression. Lay one of my cards on the table. Not all the cards, mind you, just one of them but I will say this is one of the face cards, so please find attached with this message a recording I made of a text I decrypted and read aloud. I present to you the slim volume in a way you've never seen it before. Best regards, Steve Chase.
Theostium Sagas. Thirty-four, Saga Two, sixteen sixty-six. Recorder's Endnote, Part Three. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com/wondersuite. It was another waiting game, but I wasn't going to just sit around and twiddle my thumbs while chewing my nails because, well, because that's bloody hard to do at the same time, and I wanted to ease my stress, not increase it. So I followed up on something I'd mentioned in a previous recorder's note and asked Zhang if they had any record or were able to somehow track down the timeline where this alternate London that no longer existed, and whether they were able to find out anything about Dana Lee or even Robert. Then I stayed quiet for a while and gave Zhang as much time as they needed. A full 50 minutes later they responded that they were unable to locate any information or data on Dana or Robert, and while sometimes it was possible to narrow down and locate specific people on a specific timeline, it required that Zhang have their unique DNA signifier to be able to do it, and since they did not have this for either Dana or Robert, there wasn't much else that could be done about it. I thanked them profusely for their time and their immense quantum computing power, and then made a joke about how we should play a game of chess sometime. Zhang then asked if I really wanted to do that, clearly getting my intended joke. Yes, chess with a quantum artificial intelligence would not be a pretty sight for the victim, i.e. me. As for anyone watching, well, that would be another matter. But before I could decide what to do next with my time, there was a chime on my datapad a very specific sound that indicated there was a new message in the quantum oral messaging system. I took in a deep breath, said, Here goes, to an empty room, and pressed the play button. To Steve Chase at Hotmail.com, from L. Harcourt at Marquette.edu. Subject, check and mate. Yes, when I saw that subject line, my head did a double take, but I accepted it was just one of those crazy, random, and possibly heavily ostium-influenced coincidences, and went on with the message as I didn't want to miss anything. Dear Steve, to say I was surprised to hear both your message and the recording you sent me does not begin to do the word justice. I thought you were going to spar a little, at least from a communication perspective, that we would hint back and forth on the important and potentially invaluable information we are each in possession of, trying to get the other to reveal more or 
show them how, as it were. Or perhaps I should continue the metaphor I referenced in the subject line of this audio message, in saying that we would each move our pawns around the chessboard without taking any risks or raising any stakes. And yet, here you go. You move your queen in a single move and checkmate me. And yes, before you begin to decry my error, I know it's not really possible in an early game of chess, but I confess, I'm not that familiar with the game. Nevertheless, the metaphor still very much applies. I was rendered speechless when I heard your recording. Not just for the duration of the recording, but for a considerable amount of time after also. It is something. Well, to be perfectly honest, it is a story I never expected to be able to understand, let alone be told in its entirety, and now it only seems fair that I return the favor and make my own bold move on this metaphorical chessboard. Okay, I believe I have stretched this metaphor beyond its limits and will now abandon it, if you don't mind. I am recording this after the conclusion of listening to your recording a second time, and you'll be happy to know I now have some words to voice, unlike after that first time. That is why I wish to record this right away, to be honest and transparent and as spontaneous as possible with you. After conferring with some of my people, I feel it is time I come clean with you and I have received full support and approval from those I need to in this matter, and now I can definitely tell you that your suspicions have been correct. I am, in fact, a member of the clandestine group known as the Conclave. There, you have it. If you need time to process this, you may pause this recording, because, as I said, I have much more to tell you, and I think all of it is important. It will not surprise you to learn that there are members of the Conclave working on the recording you sent me of the Slim Volume, or the Second Ostium Saga, if you prefer. You've given me and the Conclave something that we've been waiting for, for some 300 years. It is also clear from your most recent message, and the previous one where you were hinting at the First Ostium Saga, that you are in fact in possession of the tome known as the Ostium Sagas. The most sacred and important tome within our vaults, if I may be perfectly honest with you. This has caused an immediate and significant conundrum within the Conclave. For when I received your message and the recording, I was immediately in touch with the Conclave, and they quickly confirmed with me that the Ostium Saga's tome is currently being securely kept in our hidden vault. And, if there is anything I can confirm wholeheartedly as a scholar of the Conclave, it is that there is, and has only ever been, one single copy of the Ostium Sagas. And yet, somehow, through the impossible, it appears that you are in possession of a second copy of the Ostium Sagas. The Ostium Sagas thirty five 
Saga 2, 1666. Recorder's Endnote, Part 4. I knew it. I bloody knew it. Always trust your intuition, Steve, that's what I say. Or I'm going to start saying it, and that will make it an actual thing. Wow. Sorry. I know that's another wow, but it feels bloody warranted. Cool. And to think a week ago, I didn't have a clue about the existence of something called the Conclave. And now not only do I feel like I've been reading about them for ages, I'm now bloody messaging with an actual member of the secret group. Okay. Okay. Let's tone it down a bit, Steve. As Professor Harcourt said, I've got a lot of info for him, and he's got a lot of info for me. Also, two copies of the Ostium Sagas. What the hell is going on here? Okay, I'm going to stop myself there, because there was more to the message, and even though it was very evil of me to leave you all hanging on a cliffhanger like that, I don't want to be mean and cause any further pain. So let's continue with the message. I must apologize. I sent you that message with the dire information about what seems like the impossibility of multiple copies of the Ostium saga, and, and then did not send my next message until a month later. Again, I'm very sorry. And you must be wondering either what happened to me or what's going on, or perhaps both. Rest assured, I am perfectly well. And my reason for the long delay is that I've been furiously working on getting you your well-deserved answers. Okay, I'm not really sure what Professor Harcourt is talking about here. From my end, it looks like one long quantum oral message with no breaks in between. Oh, hey up. Zhang has just steered me straight. If I zoom in on the sound wave of the message, I do see a bit of a break at this point. But because, as I've said far too often, but sure comes in handy sometimes, this is all relative. So when Harcourt sent an initial message, and then a follow-up over a month later, they both arrive simultaneously on a fourth dimensional level and as one message unless I checked really closely. But the mystery is solved and we know what he's talking about now, so let's get back to it then. I shall begin with some details on myself and my involvement with the Conclave. I've been a member of the Conclave, well, truth be told, my whole life. Each of my parents were members and on my 15th birthday they sat me down to have a talk. I dreaded that they were perhaps getting a divorce, which would have come as a complete shock to me, but no. Instead, they told me of a secret group known as the Conclave that they had been a part of for many decades, and now that I was old enough, I would also have the opportunity to join. I understand that this conversation went on for many hours, as they explained very much to me, so that by the end I was, without question, completely willing to join and become a member. A month or so later, I did joke with my parents about what I had initially suspected they wanted to talk to me about, which had us all laughing, followed by their apologies. But I also asked what would have happened if I had not wanted to join. 
They informed me that there was a special pill the Conclave could prescribe that would have me waking up the following day having completely forgotten about our prior day's conversation. How interesting, I thought. And from then on, I essentially led two lives. One where I continued my schooling, teaching credential, master's degree, and then doctorate to eventually become a professor of medieval history at Marquette University. And another consisted of a series of weekly meetings and training sessions, as well as summer retreats to various locations around the world. After a year, I was formally initiated and welcomed into the Conclave. I became a scholar of two worlds, one to a sea of students' faces, behind closed doors poring over ancient texts in another. Upon my being granted tenure at Marquette, I was also appointed to a new position within the Conclave, Keeper of the Ostium Sagas. I feel giving you an introduction to the Ostium Sagas is unnecessary, as I know you have already read as far as the Second Saga, as I have now, thanks to your generosity. I will gladly let you know the Conclave was not well pleased with me when they learned of my intentions with you and wished I had discussed it with them first before I responded to you that first time. And now, now they are ebullient with the way things have turned out. I am unsure if you are fully cognizant of what you have done, and giving the Conclave a chance to read this document that we've all wanted to do for centuries and were never certain that it would ever happen. And for this translated document to come from me, the current keeper of the Ostium Sagas, well, I shall say you have made me look very good in my position, and our ongoing communication is now fully supported and encouraged by the Conclave. As much as I would like to tell you more of my duties and position within the Conclave, as well as the Ostium Sagas, I feel I must first talk about the Second Saga before any of that. To finally know definitively how the Great Fire of London began. A tragic event that continues to shroud our modern world in mystery still. I can remember traveling to the memorial site of London when I was a teenager with my family. It was just so melancholy. I, I couldn't help crying at all this loss. There was still a pall over everything. You could feel the absence of life. Lives that had been snuffed out so quickly. I shall never forget it. The Ostium Sagas. Thirty six Saga two, sixteen sixty six. Recorder's End Note, Part five.
I'm sorry. I promise I will get back to the message from Professor Harcourt in the very near future. I just want to address the fact that I am now in communication with someone from another timeline. From another world, essentially. Also not just any world, but the one where the second Ostium Saga took place. And just when I thought that story was all over and done with, and I'll never get any further answers from it, here we have a primary source actually living in this alternate world. He also happens to be a historian. He also happens to be a history professor. He also happens to be a member of the Conclave. And he also happens to be the keeper of the Ostium Sagas. Also, I'm very much on his good side now, which is fantastic as I have a couple billion questions for him about his world. But I promised we'd get back to the message, so first things first. Although I think we've got the mystery of the two copies of the Ostium Saga sorted out now. He's going to kick himself when he finds out. Okay, shutting up now. After reading your description of the second Ostium Saga numerous times, I began researching for any sign in the historical sources of Dana Lee or Robert. I can tell you, I dedicated a full three days to it, and I will be perfectly honest, there was very little, but there was something. Both Dana and Robert did in fact make it to America, and settled in Boston actually. It appears they both began working in the beginnings of a very small coffee and tea industry there, perhaps hoping to make it grow and become popular, as there were still relatively few drinkers at that point. Alas, their venture did not last long. A few years at best, according to what sources I could find, and then their business closed for good. The last report of Dana and Robert indicates that they were to embark over a journey of adventure west into the continent. And that is all that was ever heard of them in all of the sources I've been able to search through. And I would like to point out, this includes historical sources and anything we have available at the Conclave. And while word and knowledge of the second Ostian saga is spreading quickly throughout the Conclave, it remains almost sad that we cannot release this information to the rest of the world. Although, I am unsure what would be the gain in knowledge how the fire began. Also, the world cannot know of this Ostium network. This has been a ground rule of the Conclave since, well, since we first discovered the existence of this strange town of Ostium and this entity known as the Ostium Network. Well, there. I feel I have furnished you with a number of answers and a surfeit of information. Why don't we switch to sports metaphors now? How about some tennis? As they say at the world-renowned Grand Slam tournament, the Oxford Open, the ball is now in your court. Sincerely, Larry Harcourt. Once again, I talk things over with Jean. Larry, and I thought we've been chatting long enough now that I feel comfortable calling him that, or at least referring to him by his first name. Don't think I'll call him Larry in the messages, even though he referred to himself as such in this last message. Wouldn't want to accidentally piss him off or anything. Anyway, Larry has given us a lot here, a lot of juicy details we never would have been able to get ourselves. So I'd honestly feel pretty guilty not giving him something just as important back, but this obviously concerns the secrecy of Ostium and the Ostium Network. However, I will be telling someone who seems to value said secrecy just as highly as we do. Also, he's on another timeline, so any potential repercussions, not that there will be any, will be just in his world and not ours. Okay, yes, I know that's not a very nice thing to say, but sometimes you need to look out for number one, right? Only kidding. But Zhang said things would be okay, and honestly, I trust them with most things these days because they're incredibly smart. 
book, the whole quantum ability and all that. So after this encouraging discussion, I sat down to record my next message for Larry. Nope, it still sounds wrong. Professor Harcourt. To L. Harcourt at marquette.edu. From stevechase at hotmail.com. Subject. Confession time. Dear Mr. Harcourt, thank you very much for your recent message. I know you said there was a month in between parts of what you sent me, but it all came through pretty quickly as one long message at my end. So no worries, mate. And after everything you've told me, it seems only fair that I now share some big secrets with you. I'm just going to basically tell it to you as it is, and let you ponder over it all on your own time as I begin going through the third Ostium saga. To attempt to continue your tennis analogy, I'm going for a breakpoint here. Or is that an ace of serve? Sorry, I don't really understand tennis, other than seeing Wimbledon occasionally on the telly. Oh, and that's what we call your Oxford Open here, since we still have a London, which will make more sense when you hear the rest of my message. Anyway, here goes. Okay, secret number one. I am recording and sending this message to you now from the Ostium Network. Secret number two. I've worked for the Ostium Network for a while now, but everything went topsy-turvy when they sent me through a door for the first time, and it literally took me years to get back to the Ostium Network, where I also managed to find my mum. You see, we started working for the Ostium Network at the same time, and she pretty much thought I was done for when I didn't come back through the Ostium door. So it was a very happy reunion when I finally made it back. Secret number three. The reason I have a copy of the Ostium Sagas, and you do too, is because we exist in different timelines. In mine, London didn't completely burn to the ground in 1666. A good chunk of it survived, and they rebuilt everything else. So our histories and pasts are very different. And final secret. The copy of the Ostium Sagas that I'm reading and recording from was found by another Ostium Network employee when he travelled through a door back in 1756, and he found it in the ruins of this old church in the Pyrenees. Then he hid it in his flat here at the Ostium Network, and I managed to find it in his hiding place. Alright, that's enough sharing for now. So do take your time with it, and respond when ready, and I'm going to move on to Ostium Saga number 3. Best regards, Steve Chase.